Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Today, we recall Absalom Jones, first African-American to be ordained in the Episcopal Church. And that's an event that's worthy of reflection throughout the church. But Absalom Jones' experience claims our attention, his ordination claims our attention, because of the dynamic between resistance on the one hand and persistence on the other. Resistance and persistence. If there had been no resistance to his ordination, we would not know anything more about Absalom Jones than we know about anyone else who was ordained in 1802, which I would say is close to zip. If he were not persistent, he would have taken his place among the countless unnamed people who saw the deck stacked against them and followed other pursuits. The usual emphasis on the commemoration of Absalom Jones' life and ministry is on his persistence. That's what the collect for today does. His courage to follow and his determination to stick with his calling are examples for all of us no matter what our racial heritage. It's well worth the ink and the air that have been devoted to it. The other side of the dynamic, the resistance, is considerably less explored, but it also has lessons for us. Those who resisted Absalom Jones's ordination are casually written off in these days as blind bigots. I'm reasonably certain that blind bigotry had its representatives in that process. But there's more to the story than that. There's more to it than that. Uncomfortable as it may be, I think we can and must see what we have in common with those resistors. And if we do not, we will be no better than they, because their sin was to deny their connection to a fellow human being. So come with me for a few moments and look at the resistance side of the Absalom Jones equation. When I look at that, I'm reminded of many years ago when our church was just beginning to develop the language that would serve the long debate about human sexuality. And in that context, I had a conversation with who was for me the first person I had ever known to be gay. And he was a good friend and he gave me a wonderful gift. The gift was when he told me, Frank, you have to realize when you know that someone is gay, you don't know anything else about them. Now, that's stunningly obvious, but it had never occurred to me. Because back in those days, I thought when I knew that someone was gay, I knew a whole lot of things about it. I thought the same things about people who were black. I thought about people who were homeless. I thought about all kinds of categories of humanity. That when I knew one thing about them, I knew all sorts of things about them. And of course, I knew nothing of the sort. And that fine point is a key to part of what it takes to make stereotypes and to maintain the evils of prejudice. And that fine point is a key to understanding some of the resistance to Absalom Jones. Those who did not want him ordained could see that he was African-American, 
and they assume from that single fact that he was also intellectually and morally limited. So, therefore, he had no place in the leadership of the Christian community. Of course, there were, as there are now, African Americans and other people who have no place in the leadership of the Christian community. But prejudice connects dots all too quickly. Prejudice connects dots that cannot and should not be connected at all. It is a simple fact of simple sin that people assume that when they know one thing about somebody, they know several things about them. Bring it a little closer to home. Consider the liberal perception of people who support Mr. Trump. Or, turn it around. Think of the conservative impression of people who oppose Mr. Trump. Knowing one thing, we assume a lot of things. Look at the way Zionists regard Palestinians and the way Palestinians regard Zionists. Think about the way we in our culture view Arabs, rednecks, billionaires, panhandlers. We do it all the time. We do it all the time partly because it makes life more manageable. It's a lot easier to bunch people into large categories than it is to struggle with their individual complexities. And frankly, the larger the categories, the simpler life is. So the resistance to Absalom Jones owes much to that human predilection for thinking that when we know one thing about somebody, we know many things about them. Unfortunately, it's not true. It never has been, and it never will be. Racism has a unique social consequence and a particularly malignant history, but it shares a DNA with divisions in which all of us continue to participate. Now, we look at that and we think about that circumstance, and as 21st century people, we, we begin to wonder, well, how could those judging Absalom Jones not see that this was a man deeply motivated and well-qualified for ordination? How could you not see that? Well, the fact is, it's easy to not see. It's easy to not see, especially when you don't particularly want to. For example... I would be willing to bet, no show of hands, necessary, but I would be willing to bet that every one of us has at least one item of clothing that was made in a sweatshop. You may be wearing it now. You know that. I know that. It's true of me. I think it's probably true of you. And we know the implications of that. But we don't like to look at that. And we wouldn't know what to do about it if we did look at it. And we benefit from it. So we don't look at it. We don't look at it. We don't look at it so we don't see it. We don't look at it because it's to our benefit and it's way too complicated and so we don't see 
And later generations may look at us and wonder how we could be so blind to live with such incredible injustice. But it's not hard, is it? It's not hard at all. Or another way to think of such blindness. Consider by the roughest possible estimates that we in the United States constitute 4% of the world's population. Yet we exercise substantial control over 40% of the world's wealth. Now is that fair? Is that fair? Is there suffering because of that? Of course there is. Of course it's not fair. We know that. We know that, but do we see it? Do we feel it? No, we don't. We don't see it, we don't feel it, because we don't look at it. The current situation is to our advantage, on the one hand, beyond our control on the other. And in that regard, the economic inequities of the 21st century are like the racial inequities of the 19th century. People don't look at things they don't want to see. People did not look at those inequalities as we do not look at those inequalities because we benefit from them and we wouldn't know what to do about them if we did look at them. And so we do not look at them. And because we do not look at them, we do not see. That happens in the 21st century. It happened in the 19th. Now, are our divisions and attitudes exactly like those of Philadelphia in 1800? No, they're not. Are there similarities? Yes, there are. And those similarities (coughs) are among the things that it's worth considering as we commemorate the ordination of Absalom Jones. Amen.